to the Fun Sized Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Safeli. This podcast is your favorite place to learn about all things that revolve around health and wellness for females under 5'3". By listening to the Fun Sized Podcast, you'll get practical and actionable strategies for weight loss, muscle building, eating, exercising, strengthening relationships, overall health, and so much more. I know that petite women like you don't just want to curate a rockin' little body of your dreams. You want to know how to eat right, work out smart, feel energized, have fun, boost your confidence, and how to move through life while continuing to maintain a lean physique, especially when things get messy. This podcast will always give you a dose of realness, practicality, and empowerment you truly need to develop the highest version of you and be proud to be petite. So subscribe now if you're ready for solo episodes from me and interviews from the best little guests around to support you on your mission to become fun-sized. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I know it's been a long one, but it's definitely been a good one. If you haven't already seen Rebecca's progress pictures on my Instagram, you can also find hers and many more on my website. And you can also learn more about my 16-week coaching program on my website as well. Just head on over to funsized.life slash coaching to find all that good stuff and to apply. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Fun Size Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to one of my one-on-one clients today. Her name is Rebecca, also goes by Becky. She's 5'1", she's 39 years old, lives in California, has five dogs, and she's an extremely hard worker. Since working with me, she's lost about 18 pounds, got her period back, and is no longer afraid of eating carbs. She has been an absolute pleasure to work with, and I cannot wait to get into her story and tell you how much she's transformed since starting with me in August. So without any further ado, welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hi, Kier. Thanks for having me. Can you first tell us a little bit about your background in nutrition and fitness? Like, what was it like as a teen? Did you play sports? Anything like that? I was uh, daughter number two out of four. Um, both my parents worked and, um, you know, they wanted us to be in sports. So they put us in soccer. It was recreational. I enjoyed the heck out of it, but I always hated to run, which is very counterintuitive with soccer as a sport. Um, that said, it really was almost a chore in some ways. There was a lot of obligation to it and we didn't really get the opportunity because of finances to try much else. So that's what we did. Um, Otherwise, we really didn't have a lot of um, influence when it came to being physically active. My parents weren't physically active. They didn't play sports. They didn't, you know, go for daily walks or anything like that. And given that they both worked, we actually had pretty strict rules for safety purposes about like even leaving the house until mom and dad came home. So a lot of our activities were inside, watching TV, playing with toys. Um, Even in high school, we had pretty strict schedules and what we are allowed to do and not. And again, I get it. My parents had four daughters and they were never home, you know, so I understood why. Um, But that was really sort of it when it came to the fitness side. Um, My parents also had a very strict, you have to clean your plate rule in the house. And 
because I was the second oldest, I had a lot of responsibilities pretty young. So I started cooking dinner for a family of six when I was 10. And in our family, you didn't serve yourself. Whoever cooked served the meals. So 10 years old, here I am, I'm serving dad, but I was serving all the sisters the same portion that dad was because Mm -hmm. I didn't know better. And then you had to clean your plate before you can get up from the table. Um, And it wasn't meant to be punishing. It was just, you know, we were kids. So the idea of like not eating your dinner and then wanting a snack an hour later wasn't Mm -hmm. acceptable in our house. So um, I did not really learn anything about portion control or how to like recognize hunger. And when you're full, you just did the thing because it was almost, again, a chore. Um, So it was, it was kind of tricky that way. And unfortunately for me, I was also the fat daughter. (laughs) I was always the one who was more overweight. I was always more hippie. Um, Even when I was a kid, I was told I had birthing hips. Um, I had a very unfortunate nickname of Big Butt Beck. No, Um, that's awful. (laughs) It it was awful. And, you know, um, it was, it was something that just, you know, it starts to really as a, especially teenage girl, just weigh on you. And I just became really um, uh, inconfident in my body and about what to do. And my sisters were all very, very thin and they didn't do anything different than I did, but their structure was also very, very different. They didn't have the hips that I had, you know, they didn't mature the same way I did. So I was the outcast when it came to that. Um, So it wasn't what I would consider the best start when it came to just overall idea of understanding nutrition and fitness. Did you ever, or do you think that your sisters have that same sort of lack of understanding of portion control? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. The the youngest one is um, 10 years, my junior, and she naturally is a little bit different, but she was also the baby. So I think she's, you know, just her growing up was a little bit different. My parents had relaxed rules a lot by the time she was older. All of the rest of us were out of the house by that point. But the three of us who are closer together in age, all of us are very similar that way, even to this day. And in fact, my older sister and my one sister, number three, um, the one who's directly younger than me are both very overweight now, you know, especially in comparison to what they used to be. Their life looks very different in terms of their physical fitness level, their nutrition level than it did when they were teens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been interesting to watch all of us sort of and see how they probably just got genetically more lucky than I did when we were younger, but they still developed the same exact habits that I did. Yeah. So it sounds like your weight has kind of been like a struggle from what sounds like most of your life. What have you tried on your own to lose that weight before working with me? Um, You know, I didn't try a lot of specific diets. You know, I did, you know, try to do the whole like living off of a chicken salad for a while, but I wouldn't really consider that a diet. I had a lot of friends who did Weight Watchers and counting points and all these things. And I never really got into those things. I always just thought I just need to have better self-control. 
I need to have better willpower. I need to, you know, not snack. I need to choose better foods. Um, that was in, and so I, I just really tried that off and on without a lot of success for pretty much my entire life until about three years ago, I had had a friend who, um, went on keto and he was very successful on it. And then in some conversations with my, uh, one of my sisters, she was saying that she tried keto and keto didn't work and you couldn't lose weight on keto and she was gaining weight, but listening to her talk and then having an understanding through my friend of what keto was supposed to look like, I knew that really she was kind of doing it wrong. Like she wasn't following keto basics. So because I'm a little bit sassy, I decided I'm just going to try keto and just be like, see, it does work. And so I did. And that led me to being keto for basically three years. Um, it was the first real like diet or restriction I put myself on. And in the beginning it did work, you know, I mean, I did lose some weight, but then Um, if I was being, if I was feeling stressed out or anything like that, I would like turn to carbs or I'd order my favorite Mexican restaurant food, which sells the most delicious churros that come with a cream cheese frosting dip. (laughs) It's so delicious, but I'd have that and just kind of pig out on it and you'd put the weight immediately back on. So while I was pretty strict keto for the most of that three years, I stopped really quickly seeing results. And that was frustrating because I was able to say originally, see, I told you so like keto works if you do the thing right. And then I felt like, well, I'm plateauing. And then I thought, well, it's because you cheated or it's because stress or whatever it is. Um, and you know, I, I liked a lot about it. My, you know, so I stuck with it. My energy levels were consistent. Those things were very different than it would had been before. So then I just started to alter things. So then I went one meal a day for a while. And at first everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're only eating one meal a day. And I'm like, oh, I feel fine. It's all right. It's normal. And, you know, I mean, you, your body adapts and you learn to just accept it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really a morning person when it came to eating or anything either. My husband travels for work. So it made it easier for me to just like cook one meal for one person. But then I was eating these huge meals to try and get like beef full. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and like eat for a day, you know? And so that wasn't really working. And then the beginning of this year, I actually decided since tracking net carbs, this has been what I had been doing. And I had still been plateaued for a while. I decided, you know what? I'm just going to start tracking total carbs because what's the next best thing. If your net carbs is not working, then, you know, cut your carbs even more. So I started tracking total carbs and I was aiming for like 20 total carbs a day. And again, I initially, I started to lose weight and then very quickly I plateaued again and I was never really satisfied. And I was just really frustrated, not understanding what was like, what to do at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, but since I hadn't really done a lot of other diets, I just stuck with it. (laughs) I guess you can say, um, when I'm decide to do something, I can be very determined. I can definitely see (laughs) that. (laughs) 
as I was kind of preparing for this podcast episode, I went back and I looked at your initial application. And if you don't mind, I would love to share probably the, the very first thing that you shared with me. Sure. Okay. So she wrote, I honestly don't know what else to do. I started keto three years ago. I lost some weight. I felt great, but plateaued quickly. I use food to manage stress, including managing frustration from feeling stuck. I've changed my macros, started tracing total carbs, counting macros, even started lifting a few times a week. I see very little change. I get frustrated and I cycle again. I'm worried I've caused damage to my metabolism by following what everyone says to do. I recently started listening to your podcast and you mentioned having new clients track how they eat normally as a starting place. And it made me realize I don't know how to eat normally. I've either been on a diet or I lose control for so long now that I don't know what normal or healthy should look like anymore. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I was feeling. Um, when you were talking about, you know, tracking your food, what you normally eat, it really, it really made me think like, well, how do I normally eat? And how I normally ate was very conscientious about what carbs I was putting in my body, eating, you know, a ton of meat. Um, you know, I wasn't like drinking butter. It wasn't like that. I wasn't trying <laughs> to do keto that way, you know, but might as well be. Yeah. It was just like, okay, well, you know, like how much bacon can you have? And like, none of this stuff, thinking about it in the way of like normal was normal. I wasn't eating normally. I was just eating in such a way because I thought I was supposed to, or because people were telling me, no, it's going to work. It's going to work. You know, like you're going to plateau and then it's going to, all of a sudden it's just going to start falling off again, you know? And, um, I couldn't really remember a time where I felt like in my whole adulthood, like this is a normal way to eat. Because even when I was, before I was eating keto, if I was just trying to like eat all the lettuce, that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. Or if I was just trying to eat whatever I wanted, then I just felt like garbage. You know, I didn't feel healthy. I didn't have energy. I didn't sleep well. And I was always, always so self-conscious about my body and about how much weight I put on. And, you know, so you put on your pair of pants and they were like your fat pants and then they felt snug. So then the next couple of days you wouldn't eat as much. It's like, that's none of that stuff is normal. Mm-hmm. So trying to think about like how you eat normal was really disconcerting for me that I couldn't come up with an answer to that. Yeah. So what was it that finally made you take the initiative to work with me? I was over it. <laughs> I was just over it. I, my husband has this really great gym set up in our very small garage and we've got all this equipment. And like I had said, not lying, it's freaking awesome. Like she sent me pictures, she showed me what she has. I'm like, damn girl. It's very cool. I'm sure he spent a lot of money on it, (laughs) but his job also requires him to be very physically fit. So he is. Um, and Uh, you know, I decided I was going to start lifting weights and I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I just don't. Anytime I've ever gone to the gym in my past, I just kind of like get on the elliptical or the treadmill. And then I like go and do a couple of machines, but I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. And that's not working. And the way I'm eating is not working. And I went on a work trip and a girlfriend joined me in July 
And by this point in time, I had been listening to your podcast for a little bit. And I had looked into your program on your website a little bit. And I was talking to her about it. And I was like, you know, I think, I think I'm just going to talk to the hubs about it because I don't know what else to do. And I'm just frustrated. I'm just frustrated. Obviously, I don't know nearly enough to do this on my own. And obviously, I need help. And I'm over it. I'm over feeling, you know, like I can't even control my own body, that I'm not in charge of my own body. And then I'm not happy with my own body. And, you know, like I'm approaching 40 years old here pretty quick. Um, and I want to be able to, like, when my husband and I first started dating, and then again, when we got married, I told him, I expect 50 years out of you. My grandparents were married for 50 years. I expect 50 years. But I can't give him 50 years if I'm, you know, extraordinarily unhealthy or very overweight. You know, I can't play with my dogs and be out of breath and then expect to maybe have a child and be able to play and chase around a three-year-old. So I just decided I was done. And uh, I wanted to turn to someone who had the knowledge and the experience and the expertise and who can guide this path for me and at least jumpstart my knowledge, my training, and my understanding of what normal and healthy should look like. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that your carb target was kind of around 20 grams. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you, when I had you start recording everything that you were eating, um, when you just started, you were averaging around like 23 grams of carbs. And I told you right away, I was like, we have to increase that number bit by bit. It's not going to be like, you're not going to a hundred right now, but Um, obviously that's kind of a scary truth to hear when you've been keto for three years. So how did that feel when you finally saw like that we were only increasing those carbs bit by bit? Like I said, it was like three to five grams per week. It was really, um, very small increments. And the first couple of weeks I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. At some point in time, I'm going to feel hangry. So I don't know how everyone else's like hanger triggers, you know, come about, but I knew that the entire time I was on keto, I was never, ever hangry. Even if I got to the point where I was like, okay, I should eat. I didn't get irritable, irritable. I didn't get frustrated. I didn't snap at the husband, you know, because we weren't getting food in fast enough. And that part I loved because pre-keto, I was always hangry. It'd be Mm -hmm. like, I'm hungry. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, I am hungry. You need to feed me. And, you know, you're like in the car driving somewhere. And I'm like, no, I need to eat now. Like I need food now. And then I always got like the post meal slump that I always felt like, oh gosh, I need a nap. Keto never did that to me. So, so excited about that. And so as the carbs increased, I kept thinking like, this is going to be the week, like, okay, this is going to be the week that I feel a little hangry this week. This is going to be the week that I feel like I'm going to need a nap after lunch. And after the first couple of weeks, those things weren't happening. And I had so much other things going on that I just kind of stopped thinking about it. You'd send me my changes in my macros every Thursday. And I would just go and put it into my fitness pal. And just, that was the last time I even really paid attention to like processing how many carbs I was at. It was really strange how that just was gone. I mean, I was still tracking. I'm tracking every day. I track everything that I was, you know, um, making my meals, but I wasn't consciously thinking now I'm at, you know, 37 carbs. 
It just yeah, you're obsessed with the number. Right. That one individual number, you know, it was like, that was just part of the picture now. Oh, and I still never feel hangry. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> we don't want hangry Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most rewarding things for me to watch is you adding foods that you love back into your life. Like the day that you were like, I just like really want a banana. You know, I was like, well, let's make it happen. Like that's exciting. So how did it feel to you to finally incorporate those foods like bananas, tortillas, potatoes, Mm -hmm. rice, like back into your diet again? How, like, what did that feel like for you? In a lot of ways, it felt really freeing, you know, and it, it stopped feeling so difficult to be around people you know, because when you're keto, like you go to someone's house and have dinner and they make you something and you're like, Oh, thank you. Like, Yeah. I'm like, I guess I'll just have this like hamburger patty with nothing on it, but a slice of cheese because you've got nothing else here that I could quote eat, you know? And it's like, you don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to, you know, restrict if I'm having, like when I was telling you that I really wanted the banana. I remember that conversation so vividly because I've been thinking like it would be so good to have a banana in my protein shake, peanut butter and chocolate and banana sounds amazing, but I didn't know how to do it. Like I had no idea how to do it. And so you had given me, um, you know, just a couple of tips about how much banana to have. And you had said, try starting with 30 grams. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And then I went to the store and I realized I have no clue what 30 grams worth of banana looks like. So I bought like four bananas and I'm like, and I got home and the next day I was making my protein shake and I'm trying to get my 30 grams out. And I was like, whoa, that is not a lot of banana. And my husband doesn't eat bananas. (laughs) So I was like, well, (laughs) so I definitely overbought since I'm just, you know, trying this in. Um, But it was maybe the best protein shake that I ever had to that point because it was so satisfying. You know, I didn't deny it. I didn't gorge on it. I just satisfied the desire to have some banana in my life. Oh, and then when you asked me about a healthy carb that I wanted to incorporate immediately, I was like potatoes. I need to have potatoes. (laughs) Like French fries are amazing. Mashed potatoes are amazing. Potato in all form is amazing. And it's just so satisfying to be able to eat dinner and feel like you're enjoying what everyone else is having versus like, this is my tiny little plate over here of a pile of meat. And this is your guys's plate of all of the goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you make a good point about the 30 grams of banana, like, cause that was your starting point. I think at that point you were still eating fairly low carb. It was probably around like 40, maybe even, yeah, like maybe like 40 grams of carbs per day when we started adding that banana back in. And like, even that, just that little bit after not having a lot, like, I'm sure that was so sweet to you Yes, because sugar was also extremely low for you in the beginning and with keto too, because like sugar is carbs. So you can't have a whole lot of sweetness unless it's like that artificial sugar sweetener, whatever. So a little bit is really all it takes. And like now that you've built that almost foundation, you can have more banana now that we're 
what, 10 weeks along um, past that point. So yeah, it's, it's really important to start small and build on it. And truthfully, like that small amount is really all you need. Absolutely. To satisfy that craving. Thinking about it now, like having a whole banana at that point, it would have been way too much. It really would have. Yeah. Yeah. Overpowering. You probably would have felt really sluggish after like, yeah, yeah, totally. So what were some of the first few signs that you saw or that you felt that reinforced that what you were doing was the right thing and could fully trust me and keep going in the direction we were going in? The first things were definitely not having the hangry feelings and then not having the energy crashes, you know, after eating um, that insulin spike and then decline really quickly just didn't happen. Um, and that was really surprising to me. Like I said, I expected that was going to happen as the carbs went up. I just always assumed it was because I was eating carbs that those things happened. Um, my energy level was stable. It still sounds miserable. And quite honestly, every single day I groan about it, but four days a week, I get up at 4 AM 4 15. So that way I can work out before work. And I'd started doing that before you and I started working together, but it was much, much harder to get up then at four, four fifteen than it is now. But once I'm actually in the kitchen and making my coffee in the morning from that point on until eh, I'd say about nine, nine 30, when my body starts going, no, it's bedtime. My energy is just consistent. That's great. And that is just really, yeah, it's just wonderful to be able to say that. And then to feel that way. You know, if I were to sit down on the couch for a while, I'm sure I'd probably feel like, man, this would be comfy and I could take a nap, but I don't ever feel like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I have to sit down. And I don't really sit down a lot at home for the sake of relaxing. Like I'm not much of a TV watcher or anything like that. So those things help, um, you know, you to not like fall into a pattern of bad behavior. Um, I also did very quickly get my period. <laughs> Uh, which was amazing. I had, I'd been on birth control since I was 18 and I decided this year that I was going off birth control. My husband and I are married. We would love to have a child. I am elderly for such a thing. Um, you know, and I know that women are having kids later and later in life. And so I'm really hopeful for us to be able to have a child, but being on birth control, as long as I did, I was, I was really kind of terrified of the idea of whether or not I'd even get a period, whether or not it would be normal, whether or not my body would be fertile and still all, all of those things terrify me, but I actually got my period. And that was such a moment to celebrate. Um, and still is, (laughs) It still is when it happens. I'm waiting for her to arrive now and I'm trying to be very patient. Last month, I was a little bit uh, more worried about it, but you know, I don't even know what a normal period looks like. So I'm trying to just accept and be patient with my body to do its normal, natural thing and figure out what that is because I can't force that side of it. Um, And, you know, quite honestly, very quickly, I started seeing body composition changes, which were very exciting too. Um, I remember my first week I took my photos or my first, 
after, you know, I had my initial photos that when I first started working with you. And then my first week after that, I took photos and I didn't even compare them. I didn't look at them, but you sent me a message and you were like, oh my gosh, did you look at these photos? And I was like, mm, no, nope. <laughs> do you really like, the answers? I don't want to look at them. Yeah. I'm like, what am I going to see? Um, stomach hanging out of my pants, you know, but I did, I went and I looked and I was like, holy cow. Wow. Like there are already differences seven days in there are already differences. And that was really cool. Yeah. I know we haven't even brought up the exercise piece yet, but you're training five days a week, four days a week. When we first started, was it four days or five? Um, four days on plus my Pilates day. Yes. Okay. So it was four days. And then we, all we did for cardio really was just walking and it's still just walking. Um, And one of my favorite things that you had said, I think it was around like maybe week three or four, you were like, I actually really look forward to my walking now. Like it's, it's like therapy. Like it takes me outside. I get my vitamin D, like feeling really good about that. So can you tell us a little bit more about like what that experience was like for you? Yeah. Well, like you said, when we first um, started the show, I have five dogs and I work part-time as a volunteer at a dog training facility and um, dogs are a lot of work. And so most people are like, oh gosh, you probably walk your dogs all the time. Well, I don't, I I don't. Um, I work my dogs. I have working dogs. You know, I don't have your general normal pet dog. So we do a lot of stuff, but just normal old like walks. I don't do that with my dogs on a daily basis. They go potty in the backyard. You know, I know a lot of people take their dogs for a walk to go to the bathroom. I've got a backyard. They go there. Um, I have a treadmill for my dogs. I will put my dogs on a treadmill and I have forever, but didn't own a treadmill myself until about a year ago. And I'd get on the treadmill and walk and I just didn't enjoy it, you know? And so I'd be like, okay, well, you got to take your dogs, just take your dogs for a walk. Again, it's healthy for you. It's good for them. It's good for you. You know, so rather than just going to the park and letting my dogs, you know, run around and play, we'd like try to go for a walk. And I didn't hate it, but it wasn't the best thing ever. But now I really, really enjoy my walks. And I really, really, really don't like the treadmill. (laughs) I still have my treadmill. I still use my treadmill, you know, when I'm trying to make sure I get my steps in, or if it's been a hard day where I've been stuck at my desk a lot at work and, you know, or when the weather is bad, uh, I'm not enjoying this. I never enjoy the winter in the short days or like when it's raining, but I'm in California. That doesn't happen a lot, but we've had that recently, but I'm not such a fan of those things because I've really grown to enjoy taking a lunch at work, which quite honestly, I never used to do. I used to work through my lunch for years because you were only eating one meal a day. Yeah. I didn't need (laughs) like an actual lunch break to eat. And, um, my job can be pretty busy and I've always worked a lot of hours, my full-time job. So then I would, you know, just work through, but now I actually take my lunch and I tell my staff. I'm going to lunch. They know that means I'm going on a walk and it's just me and, um, an earbud in my ear. And it doesn't matter if it's like a podcast or a book on tape or music. And I'm outside enjoying the sun and get to see, you know, people and places and things and enjoy the fresh air. And that's so much more enjoyable and peaceful, even though I'm like walking around a bunch of traffic and 
you know, in business complex than it ever is to like, just walk on a treadmill in the same place over and over and over again, mm-hmm. especially for someone who's not really big into TV. Like everyone says, oh, just put on a TV show and, you know, watch it. I'm like, mm, I get bored in five minutes. Like, I don't, I don't care. So there has been times where I do that, where I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll just try watching a TV show and I'll put, put it on. And then, you know, like the like 15 minutes or 15 seconds skip thing. Like I find myself like tapping that. I'm like, why am I doing this? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Makes no sense. But anyway, go on. Yeah. It's like this, none of this is relaxing. The TV shows are dumb. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, and then I feel like I could watch a TV show that I've already watched before or a movie I've already watched before, but I've already watched it. And right. everything else I have to like focus on to like try to get into the plot and the characters. And I just don't have the attention span to put into that. I'd rather read a book or something along those lines. So instead, yeah, like I take a book that I've been reading and I put it on an audiobook instead. And I just like walk and listen. And it's just me and my thoughts and the world. And I'm still not taking my dogs for walks, but I'm enjoying private time alone. But they're still getting plenty of of exercise. So you're not, you don't feel bad about it. (laughs) Luckily the husband is uh, home right now. And so they're enjoying the heck out of that also. So they're getting a lot of dad time, which also means there's a lot more free time for me. (laughs) How do you feel about your level of confidence in the gym now or in your gym, I should say? Yeah. And, um, you know, I actually feel like I could go because I, I still have a membership to a gym, It's just a small local gym. And I still feel like I could go to that gym right now. I shouldn't say still, I feel like now I could go to that gym and uh, having worked out in my own home gym for so long and been able to actually accomplish something versus just doing the motions. Um, I feel a lot more confident in working out and recognizing when I need to push a little bit more, if I can push a little bit more, um, what different exercises make me feel. I'm pretty positive for the end of time. I will always hate lunges of any form. (laughs) I don't think I'm ever going to enjoy them, but I don't hate lifting weights. I actually really enjoy it, but I never really knew how to. And for like the entire, my entire life. The only thing I knew about women lifting weights was like, do like 7,000 reps at 10 pounds. Of course. And that's boring and not enjoyable, but being able to do like hip thrusts. And I think the last, um, like my last max on hip thrust was, I think was 105 pounds. That's awesome. That is really, really cool to just be able to say going from when I first started working with you, I had never done a hip, hip thrust in my life to being able to do 105 pounds. Admittedly, I'd like run back into the house and be like, baby, guess what I just did? <laughs> guess how much weight I just lifted? And that's really cool. Yeah. But, and that's literally 17 weeks. Like, right. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. It's, it's been really, really neat. Just feeling much more confident in general doing it. So around week five, we started incorporating high carb Thursdays. Uh, This is the time where I was like, hey, like name a healthy carb that you haven't had in a while that you would just love to have. And you said potatoes. Um, So we started with that. Like your dinner meal was kind of like a higher carb meal. We Mm -hmm. took down the fat a little bit, had enough protein in there. And week by week, we've been slowly not only just adding carbs to your overall 
intake, but adding carbs to those Thursdays. So what are some of the benefits you've experienced from those higher carb days? The first big benefit was feeling like I was actually sharing a real meal with my husband. We often do steak and potatoes, still often do steak and potatoes. We've changed it up a little bit, but not a ton. And I feel like I'm actually having like an actual meal with him because before that, if I were to even consider doing a potato, I'd have like this teeny tiny itty bitty thing of potatoes. So it wasn't worth my while. So I would just do a salad with maybe more vegetables on it or something like that. And now I can actually have steak, potatoes and a salad all at the same time and have like this whole complete meal. So we're not just eating together. We're sharing, like we're actually like breaking bread in the same meal together. And during my keto life, that also never happened because when he was home, he would want carbs, you know, and he's not, um, he's not like a huge eater. <laughs> like I can out me eat this man any day. Like I really can't. Like, you know what? I feel like that's very common. <laughs> it's yeah. It's really, it's, I find it really hilarious. I mean, he's not like this gigantic guy. Like I said, he's very physically fit, but, um, yeah, I could absolutely out eat him and always have been able to, but he'd still want like, you know, Texas toast or mashed potatoes or, you know, hash browns with breakfast and all of these things. And so for years we haven't eaten the same thing. I'm like, okay, I'm making bacon and eggs and then I'm making you other things. Like um, eggs and syrup and all the high carb shit that I can't yeah, have. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so we never had the same meal. And even as we started having more of similar meals and started to starting to work with you, there was still differences. And then high carb day was introduced and then it was like, okay, now it's actually the same meal. And since then it's always the same meal, unless he's not home or he's going out with his buddies. It, it's always the same meal, which is so nice. Um, and I remember that first Thursday, because you had said, let me know how your workout goes the next morning. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what that means. Like it's going to be another four 30, 40, 45 workout in the morning. Okay. But then Friday I got up and I went to go work out and it was normal. You know, I woke up and I was like, uh, you know, four something in the morning and I don't want to do it. And I made my coffee and I had my little mini breakfast and, you know, drug myself out to the gym. And then I started to work out. And I was really surprised that I felt stronger, that I felt more energy, that I felt like I could push a little bit more. And I guess I didn't attribute it to the food. I was just like, oh, gosh, into the weekend, I've got all this energy. That's cool. Because I'm sure anybody who works your standard, you know, American five day a week work knows, but by Friday, you're kind of like, man, it's been a long week and I need a break. Yep. And I didn't feel that way. I just felt like, yeah, I can do this. I can knock this out. I can, you know, increase my weight a little bit more. I can push a little bit harder. And then uh, later in that morning, I think it was, you had sent me a message and you would ask me about my workout. And I told you, and you were like, hello, high carb nights. And I was, <laughs> was like, what? How? And the why? I mean, cool. I love that. <laughs> and what a better day to have something like that than Thursday when you can end your week on Friday, your work week with that kind of energy and that kind of feel and start the end of your week 
at work, like feeling like a boss, you know, and like you can like knock out all these weights. It's really cool. Yeah. And it's been consistently like that since we mm-hmm. introduced those high carb days. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, we just keep increasing, which has been another amazing thing to watch as a coach. Um, it's just like, we've been increasing her carbs, um, both like normal intake and on those high carb days consistently. And she's still making like insane progress. It's, it's so wonderful to watch. And it's a, like, it's such a refresher in a sense, because there's a lot of people who start the opposite direction, right? Like they start with their high, their carbs so high because they never tracked or they don't pay attention to that. And then week by week, I'm slowly decreasing it. And while they make progress, it's still 10 times more fun to increase food and see you make progress. So that's been just phenomenal. But what are some of the unexpected changes that you feel and you see now? I know there's been a couple that have just been like, oh my God, look at this thing. It's so weird, but I love it. Yep. Uh, The very first one was um, me telling you that I have a collarbone, (laughs) which (laughs) I, I still all the time. It's one of those things, you know, we all have things, right? But it's one of those things that it's like, if I'm thinking or if I'm thoughtful at work or something like that, I'll kind of like take my hand and like, I don't know, like tap my collarbone now. And I'm like, what the heck? Or I'll like, I'll just like have my hand there, but like, there's a bone in there. There's a bone, like there's an actual bone and I can feel it. (laughs) I can see it. Like I can see it. yeah. Yeah. Like you know, you go and, you know, we've got those very lovely work bathrooms with a gorgeous lighting and makes everybody look like they're, you know, sickly and pale. And, um, I'll go into the bathroom, like washing my hands and I'll like look up and I'm like, Hey, there's a shadow right there at that bone. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That was the very first one that I was so strange. You don't think, I mean, you know, that your body is going to put on fat and or muscle, how it's going to, you know, you can't force weight to, to, drop off or gain in certain areas. I mean, obviously you can work your muscles, right. And so you can try to grow your muscles that way, but if you're putting on fat, you can't be like, okay, I want a little bit of fat here. I want a little bit of fat there. Or like, I can't target my fat loss from my abdomen or whatever it is. Like I get that logically, but I never would have thought pre all of this. I mean, I guess if you asked me like, do you have fat on your collarbone? I could feel and say yes, but I never would have thought like, I'm going to lose fat on my collarbone area. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange thing. Of course, we'd rather lose fat, like on our stomach, you know, or our flabby arms or whatever it is. And I've lost fat in those areas too, but the collarbone was just so weird. It was such a weird one, but it was definitely the first. Um, the other I do feel is- like anything from like, I guess the collarbone, I was going to say the neck up, but like from <laughs> the collarbone up, it is, it totally like changes the way you look in your face they they don't sound like they would mean a lot to you but when it happens to you you're like oh my god like I actually have like I could see my my chin and it's like yeah those things mean so much because when you look in the mirror like most of the time I feel like you're more looking at your face than you are your whole body like there's more of that than there is whole body so I don't know I just feel like anything, I guess, from collarbone up, it, it's, it feels so good. Right. Well, any, I think anybody who's been overweight for a significant portion of their life knows their tricks 
to camouflage their body, mm-hmm. right? We like, talked about this, right? The makeup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whether it's your makeup, whether it's your clothing choices, you know, you'd wear baggy clothes or you'd only wear dark colors or whatever it is, your, your body can be camouflaged or you at least personally, you feel like you can camouflage your body better you can't hide your face. You know, I mean, I guess nowadays you can with COVID and masking, right? But oh, and filters and whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like in real life, your face is what it looks like. And yeah. you can do some amazing things with contouring, but you still look that way. And so when you start to see changes in your face, in your neck, in your chest area, areas that aren't actually hidden all the time, I think that it's easier at least it was for me to recognize that in myself. Um, I have a jawbone back here. Like I can feel it, you know, I never contour my, my jawline anymore. I just don't. Now, some of that is I get up early, early in the morning. And by the time I'm like running out the door, since I have to be at work early also, I just figure it's no longer important. And I love lots of insecurity. So it's not top priority. That's exactly it. It's not, I don't feel like I've got seven chins that I need to like hide, you know? So I don't worry about it. I deal with other things instead. I put a priority on actually making sure my meals for the day is packed over how much makeup I'm wearing. Um, And that's really nice. In fact, the other day I went to work, I brought makeup with me because I do love makeup and I enjoy wearing it. And I do have um, very red cheeks that I like to tone down a little bit, but I didn't make the effort to put makeup in before I left for work. I was like, yeah, at some point in time, I'll get to it. And one of my coworkers walked in and he said, you're, um, you're looking a little like, uh, like flush. Are you okay? And I was like, flush. And he's like, yeah, like your cheeks are a little red. And I was like, oh, this is what I naturally look like. Like, this is what my skin looks like. And he goes, oh, he goes, I didn't really notice a difference except for your cheeks are red. And I was like, huh. So I guess all this time that I've been like trying to contour my cheekbone means absolutely nothing. And I'm not trying to do like a heavy contour just to go to work every day, but it made me think, wow, okay, well, maybe I just, you know, a little bit of powder or something to, you know, tone down the redness in my cheeks and all of that. And I would feel fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd already taken away contouring my jawbone. So why the rest of it? But I just thought it was so funny. And of course I had a giggle at him and, you know, he, we had a good laugh about it and stuff. I was like, no, no, this is natural skin. This is just, just what I looked like in normal times, you know, but um, yeah, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. You know, you can wear baggy clothes and like I said, you can't do the same thing for your face. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that the, the collarbone was the biggest first one. Like I said, I have, I have jaw bones now that I can actually like feel without like a bunch of fat in between there. Um, I have veins in my hands that I can see, <laughs> like I can actually see them. And after like working out and things like, you know, like the different times during the day, they'll like be more prominent than others, which is weird. Never had that before. Um, in fact, the first day it happened, I was like, whoa, what is wrong with my hand? And then I was like, oh, that's a vein. No, that's like a vein sticking out there. Like that's cool. It usually happens when you are hotter. So like if you're working up a sweat, veins start to pop a little bit more, um, high sodium and there's one other one. 
can't remember right now, but usually those are the the top two. Yeah, that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense with the heat because there's definitely a lot of times it's like when I'm finished working out, when I get back from my walk, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah, that's weird. My hip bone, like, is actually I can feel it a lot more, you know, than I ever was able to before. Like, there's like a bone in there also. It's like all these bones that I knew I had but I didn't know I had. <laughs> My husband and I, we've done this for a really long time, but I'll come in from the gym and I'll be like, feel my muscle, feel my muscle over here, feel how strong I am. But then, and he'll do the same thing to me. And then I'll, which ones do you normally tell him though? Um, my legs. Yeah. Constantly, constantly like feel right here, feel my quad and just poke it, just poke right there. Rock solid. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, but I'll have him be like, I'll be like, Hey, you feel that right there, right, right in there. That's a bone in my hip. You can feel it now. And he's like, yes, yes, I can feel your bone. <laughs> it's so funny how that works. It really is the little things that make yeah. all the difference. Oh yeah. The shape of my shoulders are different. Yeah. Like the actual like cap of your shoulder, the shape of my shoulder is different. And now when I move my arms, um, because I'm working out in my home gym, I never wear shoes. I love shoes but I'm not a fan of wearing them. So I'm always barefoot in my gym. I Which is actually much better for your feet and your stability, just saying. Oh yeah. Oh, see, that's, see, that's why I never wear shoes apparently. Exactly. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> um, but I'll wear like a tank top. Um, we've got a fan in there, but it's still in the garage. So in the summer it was getting warm in there. Um, and when you're working up a sweat, even like in the winter there, sometimes I'm still turning it on now that it's cooler here. So I'll wear a tank top or I'll wear like a sports bra or something like that, or a camisole. And just to watch my shoulders move and work and actually see that there's the definition of muscle there. It's not like it's a ton of muscle poking out. I don't look like a, you know, bodybuilder, but it's feminine and it's a whole different, just, um, you know, silhouette than it was before. And it's really, really cool to see that. So, um, that has been really nice too. And your shirts fit different when your shoulders aren't fatty, which is also very nice. Speaking of clothes, your sports bra. I love yeah. this story. <laughs> yeah. So um, Kira has you take photos every week um, for your check-in. And I started off with a pair of shorts uh, and a sports bra because you had said specifically like, you know, a bathing suit or something along those lines. So you can actually see your body and you're not hiding everything. So you can see your changes. And the sportswear I was using is one that has like a bra type clasp in the back with a little hook and eyes. And it has adjustable straps and it was an extra large under armor. Really nice. I mean, I like the sports bra a lot, had it for a long time. That's the one I was using. And I was as the biggest strap as I could in the, um, around the, um, uh, chest. It was like on the biggest hook and eye that it could be. And then the adjustable straps were still pretty big also. And I remember like pointing out to you one week and I don't remember what week it was, but I had to adjust all of it. I had to move everything tighter. I had to adjust the straps in. And I was so blown away just looking at the difference in the sports bras or the back of the sports bra, like how huge of a difference that made. I've got a tattoo on my back and used to be able to see a lot of the tattoo wearing that sports bra, but then now that it's 
you know, like been shrunk down in size, you can't see nearly as much of those of the tattoo in there because the hole is smaller. And then I actually went out and had to go buy a smaller size version of the exact same sports bra. So that way I have one that fits because it got to the point where it was like, there was zero support in it. And it was like, why am I even wearing this thing? I still have it <laughs> because I want to be able to still use that original one for photo comparisons. But um, that was really cool too. It's such a cool picture though. Like the the yeah. side-by-side of seeing like the sports bra at its largest and then seeing it just shrink. Like it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's mind blowing. It's so cool. It is very cool. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just glad that I had recognized that that had happened, you know, because I really, when I made the adjustments, I didn't think about it. You know, you put your sports bra on, you're not, or even your bra, you're not thinking, oh man, I gosh, you know. I need to make it tighter. And obviously that means I lost weight or gained weight or whatever it is. You're just doing it because it's most comfortable there because that's Mm -hmm. where it fits properly. You know, or at least in my head, I am maybe it's because it's early in the morning, but I'm not thinking through like what the, the meaning behind all of that is. So once I realized that it was so much smaller, I was like, you have to look at these pictures. It's really cool. So to be honest, I didn't notice right away until you said something. And I think it might be partly because the sports bra is black. So you do have to like really look at it to see. Um, But also because when I look at those pictures, like I look at the contouring and I look at like, I look at your body and I don't look at the clothes necessarily. Um, So that's probably why I missed it originally. But once you said it, I was like, oh my God, how can I miss that? Like, it's just like, it's staring me in the face. So awesome. Yeah. Well, I did have a second sports bra that I have used for some of my photos too. It's maroon one. It's cut very different. There's no adjustable on it. And I actually cleaned out my closet about two weeks ago and got rid of it because it is, it was in perfect shape. It's this really nice one. I hadn't even had it for that long, but I cannot at all wear it anymore. It's like got all this extra like material on the sides of my breasts. And it's got all this extra puckering material on the back just because it's so big. I was like, this is doing me absolutely no good. So I was like, well, she's going to have to be donated. So um, since it wasn't the first one, I felt better about doing that. Plus I was like, it's just, even trying to put it on was annoying because it's like flapping in your armpit area, just all the extra material. On that note, um, did you see, or did you look at the she fit bras that, uh, I think it was Sarah posted in the group chat? I did. Yeah. I actually have one that I've ordered. So we'll see how that goes. When I got rid of this maroon one, I decided I was going to go ahead and order one of those. I don't know if anyone else has gotten into like orders Fabletics, but I've been doing Fabletics for a long time. I finally canceled my membership, my monthly membership with them because I was realizing how many pairs of leggings I had. And unfortunately, as much as I liked a couple of their sports bras, um, I found that I wasn't very impressed with their sports bras. So it's like, you know, there's only so many days in the week. So you only need so many pairs of leggings mm-hmm. and, you know, just having the membership, I was ordering something every month. So, um, the maroon one was actually Fabletics. And so when I was getting rid of that, I was like, this is the perfect time to just order the she fit one. And then move on from these unadjustable sports bras that are clearly not serving me very long. Mm-hmm. I like the sheet fit ones because they adjust with the Velcro. It's really like, I love mine. So I hope very you like cool. Yours. So sports bra, um, how about clothing size differences? 
So um, I'm stubborn and I'm cheap when it comes to clothes and I hate buying clothes. Again, if, I mean, I think probably every woman understands, but definitely if you've been overweight for most or all of your life, you'll understand that going clothes shopping sucks. It's not fun. I have cried in more. I think that being petite, whether you're overweight or underweight is still hard and frustrating and makes you cry in the dressing room. So just that alone. Well, and I have, I've tried so hard in my life, like shopping in petite, you know, like sections of the department stores, but for some reason, closing industry thinks that petite means short and thin. And it's like, well, yeah, mm, no, thanks, but no, (laughs) like you need to have a little bit bigger sizes um, to actually fit all petite women. So then you're like trying to fit into clothes that fit you you know, pants that fit you around your waist, but they're like three feet too long on your legs, which sounds like an exaggeration, but for some pants, it's not an exaggeration that they're that long. So I have really, really, really put off shopping for clothes to the extent that I have been driving my husband crazy because I own two belts and I keep punching holes in them to make them smaller. I've I've added, I think three or four holes on one belt. And I know four on the other, just making it smaller and smaller. But that means the flap at the end, it gets really long. So finally on one of them, I just cut the flap off. (laughs) My husband is not impressed. (laughs) So um, I finally went last week after cleaning up my closet. I went last week and I was specifically going to look at shirts. But instead I came home with two jeans, um, two pairs of Levi's that are three sizes smaller than what I was wearing when I first started working out with you and it is a smaller size than I have worn since in 20, well, 20 years. So I was 19 the last time I saw wore this size. Um, and I was telling, uh, you it's still going, it's going to be my most favorite story for the end of time. Yes. (laughs) When, when I was leaving for the store, my husband had me try on this adjustable belt he has. And I didn't want him to adjust it. I just wanted to like, see how close I was to his size. Cause he's a thin guy. And I put on his belt and his belt fit me. And I was like, I was blown away that his belt would fit without being adjusted. I did not anticipate that. And they were slightly higher waisted jeans. So I thought, well, it's because of the shape of my body. It's slightly higher waisted. You know, if I'm wearing it lower, I need to adjust it, but still blown away. So then I got home from the store with these two pairs of jeans that again, I'm just so surprised that I can fit in this size. I just tried them on on a complete just whim. I just, I I figured, well, let's just see how far up my thighs I can get them when I tried them on. And instead I come home with two brand new pairs of jeans and I raced to the kitchen. I was like, baby, try on these jeans, like try on my pants. And he's like, what? I'm like, please just try them on. It took some encouragement, but he tried on my pants and he is wearing the same size pants that I wear. So I officially I'm wearing the same size jean that my husband is wearing, which just blows my mind. I love it. I mean, number one, it was hilarious that he was trying on my jeans. Number two, <laughs> did you take pictures? Please tell me. I, I didn't, I don't think he would have let me take pictures. Although um, I could probably talk him into it <laughs> and they're skinny jeans too. And he is not a guy who wears skinny jeans. So that was hilarious. But, um, yeah. And obviously we have, are you someone who wears skinny jeans though? 
Like has I, that I actually prefer skinny jeans. Okay. But I really, really have always struggled with finding jeans that fit my thighs that mm-hmm. are actual skinny jeans. So um, like your straight cut jeans, even those I struggle to get my thighs into and always have. And these ones are not meant to be like super skinny or anything like that. Um, but they definitely appear to be a skinny jean on me and they're so comfortable. I've worn them so many times already in the last week. Um, but again, it's three sizes smaller than what I was wearing. Um, I'm wearing two sizes smaller on my shirt size and I can wear my husband's t-shirts and not stretch them out in places or feel like Mm -hmm. I'm a stuffed pig, which is lovely. And I did learn that one of the big benefits of having jeans that actually fit you is you don't actually need a belt. Yeah, that's that's, that's usually how that works. (laughs) Yeah, it was was nice. (laughs) So I still have only two two belts and they're still way too big for me, but I don't need them now. Have you taken measurements? recently um last yeah week so it's been yeah, just shy of a week I should have counted up your total uh inches lost I think it's about 20 inches total 20 inches all around that's amazing yeah. so she is down 17.8 pounds so or yeah 17.8 mm-hmm. so we can round it up to 18 because that was last week that she weighed herself yes. was the last time. And that was 16 weeks. So she finished out the, the 16 week program and she is continuing on. And again, she has increased her carbs. She's not in a deficit, but she's been making the most tremendous progress. So that is just incredible. And I think that you're amazing. <laughs> Okay. Like I, I really, really enjoyed working with you and watching you progress and just be so determined and just, just amazing. So kudos to you for that. Um, aside from the physical results, what are some non-physical results that you've gotten so far? I have far better endurance than I had, um, just in general in life. I, started intermittently adding in like jogging when I'm on the treadmill. I haven't done it out on the road because again, when I'm walking, I'm typically doing during work hours, you know, for a lunch. And I don't really want to go back to work all sweaty, but, um, I can actually jog and not feel like I'm going to hyperventilate. My lungs don't feel like they're on fire. I don't get that annoying stitch in my side, which is just really, I mean, even when I played soccer, I used to feel like that. So that has been very, very cool. Um, I actually enjoy working out, which I didn't know. Now I will say I've still not felt like that. Um, you know, a lot of those runners talk about like a runner's high or feeling of the endorphin pump. I don't know that I feel that. I don't know if I ever will. I'm sure that looks differently for everybody, but I enjoy it. I enjoy being in the garage. I enjoy doing it alone. My husband tried getting up and working out with me one day and I was not nearly as impressed sharing the gym space as I was just to go and like do my thing privately and just have some time by myself, me, my thoughts, the gym, and just doing what I needed to do. 
yeah it's definitely like me time I feel the same way I don't I've never really felt comfortable not comfortable but like I've never felt like I've enjoyed working out with someone as much as I enjoy working out alone right yeah I think you know the focus is different for Mm -hmm. me you know last night I actually got home from work and he needed a spotter so I went out to the garage and I was spotting him and I don't mind doing that but it the focus was on him and his workout and if I needed a spotter, he would come in and do that as well. But like he, he grunts when he works out and I get a lot of people do that, but we're trying to work out together. And I was like, oh my God, like if he Stop. makes that noise one more time, <laughs> it's too early for heavy breathing. <laughs> you need to be quiet. <laughs> so I was able to keep all of those, those thoughts to myself, but let's just say we don't work out in the mornings. which is fine because he doesn't want to get up that early anyways when he's not working. Um, but you know, I also think I, I pay a lot more attention to my body, you know, and I'm trying to get to a point where I understand and I can recognize what my body needs when it needs it, what's normal and healthy for my body. Um, I was saying I'm anticipating my period coming soon. And so it's not so, scary anymore that I feel like I need to eat all the things. I know that I need to eat. I feel like I need to eat all the things because my period is coming. Not like I can actually attribute it it to hormonal changes. doesn't mean I get to eat all the things, but I understand what my body's doing now. And I understand why I'm getting these urges, Um, you know, understanding your bathroom routines and all of those things and trying to like have a better handle of that. Um, understanding that, you know, on the weekends, my schedule looks different. So it's not so scary anymore to, um, wonder like, why do I feel hungry now? Why do I feel like I have the urge to eat? Well, five days a week, I'm having my first meal, which is a very small meal, very, you know, minor, a little snack almost before I go out to the gym to work out but I'm doing that about 4, 15, 4 30 in the morning. And on the weekends, I'm not getting up that early. So when I get up and I feel like a lot hungrier, it makes sense now mm-hmm. why those things are happening and being able to pay more attention to that and recognize those things has been really, really nice. Um, it gives you a feeling of more control and more understanding of what's going on within you. I've known so many people be like, well, you know, I don't feel good because of X or, you know, I was realizing that I need Y and I never felt like that. I never felt like I knew my body well enough to determine those things. So, um, I also don't really get headaches. And last weekend I had a headache and I was trying to figure out like, I haven't, I used to get migraines really bad for years get migraines really bad. And I haven't really had a headache during our entire time that we've been working together. I haven't had a single one, which isn't, you know, like, I don't know if that's important for most people or if they get headaches often or not. But last weekend, when I got a headache, I woke up with one and I was able to actually sit back and think for a minute, like what would have caused this? Where did this come from? There's not stress. I just woke up in the morning. Like, how did this come to be? And those sorts of things and the focus on that and recognizing what your body is trying to tell you, because it's trying to tell you things, has been 
probably the biggest thing for me that's been um, a benefit and a, and a positive result out of all of this. Yeah. And I love how it feels like you're much more curious and open to learning about more of those things because they're not yeah. so scary. Um, right. I know you've been reading a couple books, um, mm-hmm. hormonal, gut health, kind of all of that stuff. So you've just been like soaking it all up like a little sponge. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And then, you know, with all of that, it comes, I think, experimenting too. you know, experimenting with things, you know, you and I talked in the beginning about dairy and um, I had told you then, you know, that I've been dairy free on keto before. And I had, I've been dairy free on keto before went uh, just about a month or so. I think it was dairy free and I didn't notice any differences, but I don't know that I was really open or willing to notice differences, nor did I really recognize what good and healthy and right felt like in my own body. And so noticing a difference would have been even harder. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know what green is, it's easy to point out what green is. Mm-hmm. But if someone point, asks you to point out what green is and you have no idea what it is, how are you going to do it? Right. So why do you think that this program has worked for you better than anything else you've ever done in the past? I've said it a few times before to some friends, and I think I've said it to you as well, but you just, you don't know what you don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we can't all be experts in everything. And um, so I think recognizing that, you know, you go to your investment banker, if you're investing money, you know, you go to real estate agent, if you're buying a house, you know, you don't, you can try it on your own, but that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. And that's what I've been doing. I've been trying it on my own and not been successful because I didn't know all the things. And I didn't really even know where to start with all the things. Um, And having your guidance and your expertise and then your lesson plans that you have for us to actually help us understand what your program is gonna look like and why we're doing the things has been very helpful. And the accountability, Um, but not just accountability in general, because I know a lot of times you hear people say, like find an accountability partner and talk to your spouse or a friend or somebody and share with them what they're doing. And those things are important. But for me, at least, um, I find that it's a lot easier for a third party person. You know, you're here for me. You are a cheerleader and a coach and you're going to hold me accountable and I can come to you and I can talk to you. But at the same time, I don't feel like there's that same possibility of letting you down the way you would your parent. Maybe that's an immaturity point. Maybe that is a, you know, growth point that I need to work on, but um, it's easier for me to feel like I can do things. I can tell you when I've messed up and I have, and I can say like, I haven't been successful on this or I have, and I can share that with you, but you're going to be there for me and you're not going to soften the blow. (laughs) Not that you're mean by any stretch, but you're not going to soften the blow and you're not going to, you know, especially girlfriends, right? Girlfriends are really good at saying it's okay. It's all right. You know, you can try again. It's all right. You know, and you know, I'm here for you and don't worry about it. But sometimes you just need someone that, you know, is not going to be like mistakes happen because yeah, mistakes happen, but the important part isn't that the mistake happened. The important part is how do we not do that again? How do we recover from it and get up and just do it? 
you know, just, you have to get up and just do it. And I feel much more confident knowing that you're not going to pet my feelings just for the sake of petting my feelings, Yeah. but my best girlfriend's going to. Mm-hmm. So having that accountability partner who, you know, is going to be able to do that for you and, and run and operate on, on both sides, I think is really helpful. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of it, you know, the, the guidance and that, um, you're able to provide and the education that you're able to provide all of it adds so much to the program and to you being successful. I love that you touch on the education piece because that is a huge reason I do what I do because it, it would be so easy to give someone a meal plan and be like, just follow it. Would they actually follow it? In my experience, no. (laughs) And that's because they don't have the education piece behind that. Like they're not, they don't understand why they're doing it. But once you understand why you're doing the things that you're doing, it's much easier to stick to it. Right. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. And, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, the meal plan side of it, because you let us create our own meals. Mm -hmm. You know, you give us the guidance with the macros, but then you let us create our own meals and you've given feedback, you know, this isn't my favorite, or have you thought about this as an alternative? You had suggested a fantastic tortilla, which I cannot get locally in any store. I even tried stopping in another state that I was traveling through to get it and still couldn't find it but Amazon has it. I just ordered more. Um, you know, and those things are really, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, it's really a game changer because it's low carb. So you don't feel like you're kind of wasting your macros, but it's got mm-hmm. protein in there and it tastes really good. It's my, yeah. by far my favorite. Yeah. They're amazing. I love them. Yeah. They're <laughs> so good. Um, but you know, those sorts of things are really helpful, but I also find that what's so been so important for me is when I'm creating my meals and let's say, cause I don't meal plan and we've talked about this. I don't meal prep. I should say every meal or every dinner or anything like that. Dinner kind of happens a little bit more fluidly around here. We pick out what we're going to eat for the week. And then I'm, we'll peel, put a um, meal um, like on a specific day. Like we always do tacos on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. you know, but when I'm making my dinner and I'm inputting all of my macros for my dinner, sometimes I realize, you know, I've had more fat during the day than I thought I did, you know, in terms of just like that general, like back of your mind, understanding of what you've had. So now I'm having to on the fly, adjust things appropriately to round out my meals for the day. Or I think, man, I'd really like to have X item. And then I decide to buy it and I put it in my meals. And then I realize, you know what? It's not very filling. I bought these little like blueberry things. They're supposed to be like a mini bagel type deal. And for what it was giving me nutrition wise, it wasn't worth it because I wasn't full afterwards. Mm-hmm. And if you were to just give me a meal plan and I had to follow that, I wouldn't learn those things on my own. Nope. And so I wouldn't have that trial and error phase and you learn so much from that. So now these little blueberry things are sitting in my fridge and I keep reminding my husband, he needs to eat them because I'm not going to. And it's the flexibility piece too, because you wouldn't have that ability to try those things or just make those adjustments as you go. Like it would be much more rigid, much harder to adhere to. 
Um, I've done it in the past when I first started, like I gave meal plans all the time, but I feel like one out of 10 clients would actually follow it. And it would just be like more frustrating for me because I was putting all this time into like building this perfect thing that I thought that my client would love. And then it turns out they couldn't follow it because they felt so stuck. And then also, like you said, like they don't learn when they get that, they just get it. And then like, as soon as that program's done now, what, right. You don't want to eat the same thing repeatedly like that. So yeah, the flexibility is everything. Sure. Well, and sometimes you feel like taco Tuesday on a Thursday, or sometimes you feel like (laughs) whatever it is and, and meal plans don't account for that either. No, not at all. Or just changing up your flavoring in terms of what seasonings you're putting in something, you know, all of those things um, make a difference. For sure. Is there anything else about your experience in the program that you'd like to tell the listeners before we wrap it all up? Yeah, I want to say that, you know, just it's okay. And it's important to recognize that you're not an expert at everything. You know, you take your car to a mechanic when it's broken, said you go see a financial advisor when you need um, assistance with your finances. And if you don't know, you know, the things and you find the expert to do it. So why is your health and your fitness any different? But it is, we think about it differently. Um, and we should be investing in it the same that we invest in our time in making sure our car works and that we have, you know, a roof that doesn't leak over our head. Um, we don't, we don't put that priority there and we really should. And it's easy to abuse ourselves. Um, and it's easy to beat ourselves up about a lot of that stuff. So I think that it's important to just stop and recognize what we're doing, even if we're not at a place where we can do it quite yet. And then really, we all need a cheerleader sometimes. We need someone who can help walk, our, uh, walk us through things that are hard and who can hold us accountable and be understanding. And um, I've just really been really impressed, Kira, with how you've been able to do that for me and been a partner to me. You've been there for me when I've had questions. You've been there for me, you know, when I've needed a little pep talk or wasn't really sure how to deal with something or I've been sad or frustrated and you've still just continued to encourage me to keep going and been a positive light. Um, And that's been really, really helpful. And I think that um, your listeners should realize how important taking care of their own health is and how important having somebody who can do those things is um, on that journey, whomever that person is, you know, you need someone who can do that. I love that you say partner and working together because that's exactly what this is. Like I can give you the world, but if you don't work for it, it's not going to happen and you can work as hard as you can. And if I don't give you the guidance, it's not going to happen. So it is definitely a partnership in so many ways. And I'm glad that you've taken everything I've given you and just run with it. And like I said, you've soaked up like all the information and you're applying it and you're trying it and you're not afraid to try it, which I, I thank you so much for putting that trust in me. Cause I know, I know what it's like to be super low carb and it's scary to be told that you need to eat more. So I, yeah, I just, I think you're amazing. Hands down, just amazing. (laughs) 
Um, what would you say to someone who's in the shoes you were once in and kind of on the fence about starting my program? What would you say to them moving forward? Um, I would say you just got to make a decision. You've just got to do it. You know, fear holds us back from so much. And I still feel like fear holds me back from a lot, you know, just because I made the decision to join you and your program doesn't mean that I don't have moments where, you know, I doubt myself or I doubt what's going on, but you have to just make a decision. You have to do so. Unfortunately, we do a lot of thinking and I'm so guilty of this. Um, I'm sorry, a lot of um, decision-making based off of emotions, right? You know, it's more comfortable. I know what it feels like to be fat. I know what it feels like to be unhealthy. I know what it feels like to not eat any of the carbs, you know, and those are all fear-based and emotional-based, but our brain is so much smarter, you know, and our emotions are fleeting and we're, we need to be able to make that decision, decide, pull the trigger and just do it. And then, you know, once you've done that, be willing to just let you lead the way, you know, go all in, put what you have into it, realize that you're not going to be perfect at it. And that's okay. And that's part of the learning process too. Right. Right. It is. It's a part of learning in life and it's part of life experiences. And as much as, you know, we like to say things like, cause I've said it so many times, you learn more from failure than you do from successes. You do. It's true, mm-hmm. but failure is scary and no one mm-hmm. likes those feelings. Right. But eventually you're going to succeed. Eventually you're going to be able to put on a pair of jeans that are two, you know, three sizes smaller than what you started with four months ago. And that are you know, small, a smaller size you've worn in 20 years. And then the feeling that comes with that is far more important than that feeling of fear to begin with, you mm-hmm. know, but making that decision and just pushing that button is the biggest first thing, step that you can do. You know, it really is. And then take the guidance, let you lead, follow through and work hard every day at doing so. You know, even the days that aren't perfect, get up the next day and do it again. And that practice is going to make you bigger, um, bigger, that practice is going to make you better and stronger and more proud of yourself every single day mm-hmm. and hopefully give you bigger muscles. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the bigger was coming from. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> I know we talked quite a few times about this in our check-in calls, um, I know you have a friend who has been admiring your progress um, and watching make that progress. And you've mentioned that they haven't been fully ready. Yeah. And I think that's a, a huge thing to touch on too, because you can't make that decision for yourself mm-hmm. until you do feel ready to do that. And I think that was your story as well, too. I think that absolutely your reasoning for working with me being just over it, just tired of being tired. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just that switch that you need to make or need to have in order to have that success or as much success as you possibly can. Right. I think that that is a, a very valid point and is very important. You can't I can't want something for you more than what 
how you much mm-hmm. you want it. You know, you have to want it more. I had to want this. I had to want to be dedicated to this. And that doesn't mean that I don't have days where I'm like, man, if I just sat down on the couch and like <laughs> ate a cinnamon roll, that would be amazing. And it would be right. But it's not going to be amazing forever. It's going to be amazing for a short couple of seconds and then it's going to be over, you know, and that's not going to get me to where I want to be. And so having made that sort of momentary decision to just say, I'm done and I want this now, and this is what I'm going to do is really important, but I can't make you do that or anyone Mm -hmm. else. I can't make my friend want that, you know, and I, I find it interesting because I've had so much of that. Like I've known that for so long, you know, it until like you actually really truly know it. Logic is very different than the whole package understanding what that looks like. So from this side of things where that trigger has, has been tripped on my side and I have that, like, this is what I want. I can see in other people, like, I don't think you're there yet. Yeah. You know, you say you're there, but I don't think you're there, you know, and I want you to be there because you say you're there. Hopefully you'll actually get there Mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully they will, you know, and hopefully people listening will also at some point in time, get to that point themselves too. And maybe that's, you know, putting on your pants after Christmas morning and then you don't fit. Or maybe that's, you know, like it hurts my lungs just to run in the park with my dogs because it did. It used to hurt my lungs just to run in the park with my dogs. But uh, whatever that is, once you've done there, once you've got there, once you've made that moment in your life, like don't let that pass you by. Just actually make the decision in that moment without that fear hanging over your head because the fear will come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pain sucks. It yes. it sucks so bad. But if you use that pain to propel you forward, oh man, it is so rewarding in the end. Right. Right. Because you're like, I don't feel like that shittiness anymore. And it's just, yeah, it's unexplainable. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah you, it, it makes you so much more proud of yourself you know, to see what you've accomplished through the pain, through the hurt, through the discomfort, all of those things you can push past. You're stronger than you think you are. We're all stronger than we think we are. Absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, I think that's a good spot to end the episode. I just want to thank you so much for coming on today and spending the time and sharing your story. I think it's incredible. And I'm so excited to see what we accomplish in the next couple of weeks. Well, I appreciate it. It It's my pleasure.